That's true. When Josh and I got married, Henry married us, and he said, Josh and Antonio Hall. So I take Abby over that. She corrected me. Later. She said, stop. No, no, no. All right. I wasn't nervous earlier, but now I'm kind of nervous, so. Um, so today I'm going to be continuing on with the Easter message that Henry spoke last week, but first we will open in prayer. Father God, I just thank you, Lord, for bringing us all of, all of us here today, Lord, and I just pray, Lord, that you'd open our hearts to receive this message, Lord, and that you would just help me to speak this message out the way you'd like it to be spoken, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, so last Sunday I asked Henry if he had a topic for me to speak on, because he's been doing that lately. And he said he didn't have one picked, but he offered, he said, oh, you know, Jesus telling the women to go to Galilee is a really good one. So I'm like, sweet, I got this story, I'm going to do my whole message on this, I haven't even heard of this story, so that's perfect. Josh and I are looking for this story, and I'm like, looking for the red ink, where's he telling the women this? And Josh is like, I'm not finding it. I'm like, I'm not finding it. And I'm supposed to do my whole message on this. And then Josh Googles and he's like, oh, it's in John. And it's one verse. And he just tells them to go to Galilee. That's the story. I was like, what? I literally said, oh my, oh my. So it wasn't quite as easy as I thought it was gonna be. I thought he was setting me up for success. It took a little more like finding pieces here, finding pieces there, but that's okay, we're gonna go with it. So last Sunday, Henry shared on the crucifixion of Jesus and three days later that he rose again. So we might kind of hit some of that again, but that's all right. So we are going to start in Mark 16. And I'm going to be reading this part out of the New American Standard. And I'll be reading quite a few verses if you want to turn there. So Mark 16. And it's starting in verse 1. So when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought brought spices so that they might come and anoint him. So this is to the tomb where they believed Jesus would be laying. And very early on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. They were saying to one another, who will roll, away the, st or who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb for us? And looking up, they noticed that the stone had been rolled away, but it was extremely large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting at the right, wearing a white robe, and they were amazed. But he said to them, Do not be amazed. You are looking for Jesus, the Nazarene, who has been crucified. He has risen. He is not here. See, here is the place where they laid him. But go and tell his disciples and Peter, He is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him, just as he told you. So we have the women. We have Mary and Mary, and Salome, who was one of Jesus' followers. And they're in the middle of this great grief. They're mourning, they're sad, Jesus was crucified. They're still in the middle of all of these feelings, super fresh, and then they get to the tomb, and instantly everything changes. The tomb is empty, and an angel is telling them that Jesus is alive. 
that would be super overwhelming, a very overwhelming change of events. And right off the bat, the angel gives them a command. Go and tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee, and there you will see him. The women went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had gripped them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. In the NIV, it says they were trembling and bewildered. So they were perplexed. They were confused. It wasn't what they expected to find at the tomb. And in this past week, it seemed like our kids had kind of saved up the last few years of injuries, and they decided to use them all this week. Like, we went to urgent care multiple times. Isaiah got staples put in his head this week. Remy almost broke his finger. Now he has a brace for it. Mabel crashed her snow machine. She had bumps and bruises. It was just a whole week. It was a lot happening. And when kids get hurt, it seems like you're like, well, what happened? Why did you do that? Why did you go so fast? And it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. And it's like, you know, they know they were there. They did it, but they're just overwhelmed with all of the emotions and everything going on. And that's kind of what I picture when I think of the women, the state that they're in at the tomb right now. They're just they're trembling, they're afraid, they're confused. It's just a lot of emotions at one time. But in Matthew 28, verse 9, this is continuing on the same account, but in Matthew 28. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Rejoice. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go bring word to my brothers to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. So suddenly we see Jesus now appearing to the women. First it was the angel giving the command. Now we have Jesus repeating the directions to tell the disciples to go to Galilee. But knowing the women's fears, he begins with, do not be afraid. And the Passion Translation says, throw off all of your fears. So Jesus appears, tells them, throw off all of your fears, and go to the disciples, or go tell the disciples to go to Galilee. Jesus knows the women's fears and confusion and appears to them to encourage them, equipping them with confidence to go forth and bring the disciples the message. We're going to see encouraging and equipping is a main theme of Jesus' days after his resurrection. And we also see here that this is one of the first commissions after Jesus has risen He's telling somebody, go out and tell them that they've seen me. Go out and tell them I've risen, I'm alive. So he commissions the women to go out. They continue on to the disciples and share all that they have found and what Jesus told them. Which surely, I don't know how long the women were finding them, but the disciples are like devoted. They're Jesus' followers. They know all the words, all the prophecies, everything Jesus has taught. So surely they're going to believe the women, right? Like confident, oh, wow, Jesus is alive. So the women tell the apostles, and in Luke 24, starting in verse 10, but they, the, the disciples, did not believe the women. Their words seemed to them like complete nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering what had happened. So Peter didn't even jump up and be like, oh my gosh, like he is alive, wow, like 
He's just kind of wondering what happened. So, even the disciples were in disbelief and regarded it as nonsense. At least Peter ran to the tomb, according to John, and believed, but yet did not understand the scriptures that Jesus had risen from the dead. And this is a great reminder that the disciples are just like us. They're only human, and belief can be mixed with disbelief. In Mark 9.24, in response to Jesus about healing his son, the father replies, I do not believe, or I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. So Mark 9.24, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. So even when we are believing and we are following Jesus, like there's always, you can always pray for more belief. You can always pray for more. Because I'm sure the disciples thought that they were completely firm in their faith, and then we see them with disbelief as well. John chapter 20, verse 19, if you want to turn there. Now when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, the doors were shut where the disciples were together due to fear of the Jews. So Jesus is alive. They don't believe him. They're now locked together in this upper room, scared, and just complete unbelief that Jesus is risen. And why are they scared? So within the last few days, I mean, they were following Jesus, proclaiming him everywhere, and then suddenly Jesus is arrested. He's crucified. He's killed, and they're out there proclaiming he's the Messiah and probably scared of some guilty by association. So even if even Jesus could be crucified, what more could be done to them? They were scared for their lives. They were scared they were going to die. So they kept the doors locked. They were hiding away. But even with the doors locked, verse 19 goes on, Jesus appeared and stood in their midst. And he said to them, peace be to you. Luke 24, 37 says, But they were startled and frightened and thought that they were looking at a spirit. And he said to them, Why are you frightened? And why are doubts arising in your hearts? See my hands and see my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see, because a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you plainly see that I have. John twenty twenty. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be to you, just as the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. And Thomas was the only disciple missing that day, and he was still in disbelief. The disciples tried to tell him that Jesus had appeared and all that he had said, and they still didn't believe, or Thomas still didn't believe. And eight days later, in John chapter 20, verses 26 and 29, we see that Jesus appeared to the disciples again, showing Thomas also that he had indeed risen. In verse 29, Jesus said to him, Because you have seen me, have you now believed? Blessed are those that did not see and yet believed. So just as Jesus reassured the women at the tomb, Jesus also appeared to the disciples to reassure, to reassure and encourage them. He also appeared to the two followers 
on the road to Yemos, and many others throughout the days after the resurrection. He appeared to be a living hope and testimony that the work on the cross was complete, and he truly did rise again. Jesus was busy before his crucifixion, and Jesus was still busy after. How nice it might have been for Jesus if he had risen and immediately ascended to heaven. We were in Anchorage this weekend. We just got back last night, and Mabel had a hockey tournament. And so we were going like one rink, and then she had two cousins also in the tournament, all on different teams. So we were going everywhere. And we got home last night, and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so tired. And that just doesn't even like compare. I can't even imagine how tired Jesus was. Like doing all of that, he got arrested, he got beaten emotionally, physically, and I'm like, oh my gosh, you have to be so tired. And instead of just immediately ascending to heaven, he stayed here and like talked to everybody and built them up and spoke life into them when it, I feel like it should really be the other way around. He just had to have been so tired. Obviously really tired today. Um, So had Jesus not appeared to them afterwards, had he just ascended right to heaven, they may have just stayed hiding away behind shut doors for the rest of their lives for all we know. I don't know. Maybe they wouldn't have finished writing any books. Maybe, I don't know. They were just really scared. They were not coming out of their houses. And it is just so important these days after he risen that he walked out and talked to everybody and did all this. And I think it's so easy to forget that. Like we think, he died on the cross, he's risen, and then I'm like, oh, I love Romans and Acts. And you just kind of move on. But these days are so important to the church and where we are today. So Jesus was faithful and came back to them, reigniting their hope, building back their faith, and redeeming their beliefs. John 20, verse 30. So then many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book, but these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you have life in his name. So Jesus has made his appearances. The disciples and others are now back on fire for Jesus. They're not hiding in the room anymore. They know he's alive, they're reaffirmed in their faith, but now what? So remember the original direction given by the angel and Jesus, and what Henry led me to believe there was an entire story on that there wasn't, was tell the disciples to go to Galilee. So now they're in Galilee. John chapter 21. If you want to turn there, I'm going to read quite a few if you want to read along. So John chapter 21. Peter and the other disciples are now fishing along the Sea of Galilee. In verse 3, they went out and got into the boat, and that night they caught nothing. But when the day was now breaking, Jesus stood on the beach. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Jesus said to them, Children, do you, not have any or you do not have any fish to eat, do you? They answered him, No. And he said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find the fish. So they cast it, and then they were not able to haul it in because of the great quantity of fish. 
Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. So when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped of it for work, and threw himself into the sea. Verse 8. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits away, dragging the net full of fish. So when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire already made and fish placed on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish which you have now caught. So Simon Peter went up and hauled the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. And this isn't just a random fishing trip story that guys add like, okay, this is the end of my gospel. I'm going to tell this awesome fish story. Like this came with a bunch of symbolism. And the disciples definitely would have picked up on it because they knew the parables and teachings Jesus had already taught. Like the parable of the net in Matthew 13, 47. Once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. When it was full, the fishermen pulled it up to the shore then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So the casting of the nets represents the harvest. The good fish represent the saved souls. How much fish did they catch before Jesus appeared at the boat? None. But with Jesus, the disciples filled their net, catching 153 large fish. A couple hundred years after this, St. Augustine, one of the greatest of the early church philosophers, pointed out that the number 153 is the triangular of 17. This might be super uninteresting. I don't know, it makes me think of Abby. She's like really into numbers and meanings. So if you add up all of the numbers decreasing from 17, like 17 plus 16 plus 15 plus 14, all the way down to 1, it equals 153. So the triangular of that is 17. And 17 is the number of victory. It's also a number commonly used throughout the Bible for symbolism. So it was also at this very place, the Sea of Galilee, when Jesus first called Simon Peter and Andrew to follow him. Matthew 4:19, And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. When we follow Jesus, we become fishers of men. When we listen to Jesus, the harvest is many, and there will be victory. But what is our instruction? Jesus instructed Peter to throw the net to the right side of the boat for a great harvest. He also instructs us specifically for a victorious harvest. In his final words to the disciples, we'll turn to Matthew 28, verse 18, which also makes me think of Abby. She's just on my mind today. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of age. So therefore go, the first two words in this verse, such a powerful command for only two words. It's followed by the command of the Great Commission and what Jesus has asked all of us to do as followers. He built up the disciples when he appeared to them after the resurrection and then sent them out to gather the saved, just like he builds us up in faith and sends us out. So how do we build up our faith? Reading our Bible, remembering all that Jesus has already done, coming to church, fellowshipping, sharing our testimonies, listening to others' testimonies, speaking into other people is going to build up our faith, So many different ways, but we have to go and we have to seek them out. We get built up and then we go out. Wherever you're being nudged, wherever he's leading you, wherever you're going today, next week, next year, go and make disciples of nations. Surely Jesus is with you to the very end of the age. So to close, I would just sum up the importance of Jesus' last days walking on the earth. It's so easy to skim over, like I said earlier, and everything just kind of gets lost in the greatness of the cross and the resurrection, which is, of course, important, but to remember the days following that as well. The days after he equipped and encouraged the church, catapulting his followers into the world with the great commission of the harvest of souls, he appeared to many, providing witnesses to his resurrection and securing the testimony of many, which made me think of Revelation 12, 11. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they loved not their lives unto the death. So what looked like the darkest hour at the cross to the disciples and all that loved Jesus, Jesus reminded them that it was not the end. And I would also add that Jesus appearing to them and showing them that he was alive didn't just set them up for life without troubles or trials. Almost all of the disciples died a martyr's death, but it gave them the confidence to now go out into the world instead of being locked up in the room to share the gospel no matter the outcome because now they no longer feared death because Jesus overcame death. And in Luke 24:50, when he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, He lifted up his hands and blessed them. While he was blessing them, he left and was taken up into heaven. Then they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy, and they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. That verse just really stuck out to me because when we start at the beginning, right when, you know, Jesus is crucified and the disciples think, oh my gosh, life's over. Like, it's not what I thought. They're in despair. They're in unbelief. And how quickly everything changed. And now they're staying continually at the temple, praising God. Like, how much changed in 40 days? And I think even that could be a small message for us. Like, so much can change in such a short amount of time. Everything seemed lost, and then it wasn't in such a short amount of time. It just is crazy. So with that, I'm going to close in prayer. I don't know, sometimes Henry has like test questions. Okay. 
So, Father God, I just thank you for all the work on the cross, Lord, and all that Jesus did for us, Lord, and even afterwards that he came back and walked the earth, Lord, appearing to the disciples and other followers, Lord, and just thank you, Lord, that he continued to build up faith in each of the disciples as he does today, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, that you would fill each of us, Lord, with your Holy Spirit, Lord, stirring us up today, Lord, to be able to go out and go forth and make disciples of the nations, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.